This is Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Marion Barnett, your host. We're here each and every Saturday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Your special guest this morning is Dallas School Board Trustee, Miss Joyce Foreman. Also, Dallas School Board Trustee, Maxie Johnson. Hey, we hopefully will have him on. He's not here at the present time. But we want to talk about a lot of things this this morning because there's so much going on, so much going on from the international scene to the national scene to the local scene, uh, statewide, citywide. Things are happening. Things are happening fast. Within as worldwide, the coronavirus is running rampant in the whole world. And then, I don't know. How do you feel being said you're too stupid to protect yourself? This is basically what Donald Trump has told the American public. They're too stupid to protect themselves, so we better not let them know they're about to catch something that's going to really be dangerous. It's, uh, it's one of those days. It's one of those, one of those type of people. I don't know. They were probably figuring out how much money they could make off this thing. Reason why he wouldn't let us know. So it's just what's going on. But now, we'd like to welcome to our keynote in uh, hotline. Good morning, Miss Foreman. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great, and thank you for the opportunity to be here and to uh, once again be able to uh, talk to the citizens of Dallas and um, and around about what's going on in the uh, Dallas ISD. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Independent School District. Yes. That, you are a product of that district, right? I absolutely am, and I'm a proud product of Julius C. Frazier, John Henry Brown, and Lincoln High School. All right, all right, all right. All three in South Dallas, huh? All three in South Dallas. I grew up in South Dallas. And now, which Frazier was this? Julius C. Frazier. Yeah, Julius C. Frazier. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Frazier. Frazier uh, Elementary. Correct. Yes, Julius C. Frazier. Frass at East Dallas, South Dallas. Yeah, you pretty well. Jamie Brown, I don't know. what That's South and North Dallas. I, I don't know. That uh, Grand, well, it used to be with Grand and Lord Irving during the time. It's Malcolm X and... Uh, it, it was and Grand and Forrest. Grand and Forrest. Oakland. Oakland. Oakland and Forrest, other streets that are gone. Oakland and Grand, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, being a product of the school system, uh, it was far different. Back in those days, when you were in school, it was... That's uh, correct. It was segregated. Yes. But, did we learn? Oh, absolutely. Um, I still have some of my teachers that um, are still living, and I am uh, just so excited to be able to express the difference that they made in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, While... 
um, you know, your parents were doing everything that they possibly could to help train and raise you. Mm -hmm. um, when you got to the schools, you had uh, surrogate mothers and fathers uh, that were doing everything they could to keep you on the right direction. And it wasn't just about what we learned from those books that we got that were sometimes so mm -hmm. old and ragged, three, four years old, passed down to us. Mm -hmm. But it was the life uh, experiences and the life skills um, that our teachers taught us. They taught us the respect. They taught us to work hard. They taught all the things that we needed to be able to uh, survive in this world. Mm -hmm. Well... Why didn't we uh, appreciate that as much as we should have? Well, I think at the time we didn't understand um, that um, if we uh, integrated, um, that we were still going to be uh, scrappling for things um, that we thought was fair. We, mm -hmm. I think we believed at that time that if there was emerging of everyone that everything would be on an equal basis mm -hmm. and what we found is that didn't happen yeah we thought it, everything was separate was not equal correct we thought if we uh went to school with other folk we somehow by osmosis would learn more i guess correct uh, and uh we destroyed uh, a great heritage heritage and history. I remember every Thanksgiving that was a special day for Lincoln High School mm -hmm. and Booker T. Washington High School. Uh, in fact, the Cowboys started playing on Thanksgiving Day because they saw how successful that high school game was. Right, at P.C. Cobb Stadium. P.C. Cobb. <laughs> Used to be the Al High Stadium also. <laughs> and when we see how things worked, we see that, uh, I don't know, was so-called integration successful? Well, I think, I think we've struggled with the whole premises of integration uh, in that um, some children did uh, advance further based on Integration, but many of our children continue to be left behind. Mm -hmm. uh, we continue to fight the issues that um, uh, separate but unequal came to us because what happened in the meantime was the communities were still separate. And so there's, there was an opportunity to still leave some of the children out that were mm -hmm. in specific communities, but children that moved out of those communities uh, were able to do a little bit better based on where they lived and based on their family income. Mm -hmm. I've uh, been observing a uh, seemed like some dissension between others who would like to have what is it? Uh, is it a middle school or elementary school? Or it's a middle school. A middle school on the campus of Paul Quinn College. Correct. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I've been very vocal and very open about my position. Uh, I actually am a graduate of Paul Quinn College and believe in HBCUs to the hilt. And I will do whatever I think is right uh, to try to help HBCUs because we do want them to be viable. 
But at the same time, I am a trustee of funds for Dallas ISD, Mm -hmm. Dallas Independent School District. And I have to make sure that things that I feel are right for our children in Dallas ISD take place. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that has to be understood is just because you're a trustee of a specific district, there is a board vote, and every trustee has to vote on things within your specific district. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe um, that a school with 11, 12-year-old middle school girls on a college campus is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a problem with a high school. I do have a problem with a middle school because I think the unfortunate thing is is that um, when you start going on a college campus, uh, you in fact have dormitories on college campuses, and uh, things can happen. Now, mm-hmm. um, at our last board briefing, they did have President Mike Sorrells at the board briefing um, to, to try to, uh, I guess, to sway the, the conversation in regards to uh, this whole thing, but um, I stand firm on, on, on my beliefs uh, that uh, Paul Quinn College would be would serve us well as an opportunity for an early college because we do have early colleges on uh, on junior college campuses. We yeah. have we do have early colleges uh, mm-hmm. where our high school students, our high school students are on junior college campuses that mm-hmm. do not have dormitories mm-hmm. uh, on those campuses. And so um, I've been firm on saying that for me, that is an absolute no. I've had community people to also be firm on saying that's an absolute no uh, in regards to our younger children. But there's another factor that we have to uh, also factor in is that um, that is in the Highland Hills area. We have one middle school that is uh, under-enrolled, mm-hmm. under-enrolled at the time, at this time. And so uh, what we know is, and it's proven, when our schools begin to continuously drop enrollment, Dallas ISD then sets out to close those schools. And so I'm, I'm concerned about that. And then the last thing um, um, I'll bring up at this time is is that uh, one of the trustees uh, intimated that maybe because Paul Quinn is also putting a KIPP charter school uh, uh, on that campus, and we know along with the uh, along with DISD the DISD middle school middle school, and, and they're going to put a KIPP school on there a KIPP charter school on there, and KIPP mm-hmm. has a horrible record. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of educating our kids. Mm-hmm. Horrible record. But one trustee intimated that uh, maybe Kip, Paul Quinn, and Dallas ISD should find a way to work together. Uh, that just incensed me because that makes absolutely no sense. Why would we, as trustees of Dallas ISD, and looking out for the best interests of our children, mm-hmm. knowing that we have a charter school that is underperforming tremendously, even think about trying to do a partnership with them for our kids. We should be trying to mm-hmm. get our kids out of there. In other words, when you join with someone, is to better the, your situation? Yes. Rather than to lower Correct. the standards of the situation? Correct. 
And, uh, well, who's engineering all this? Is, do the uh, president of Paul Quinn, do you think this is could be a financial deal for Paul Quinn? What, what's well, it's been very clear and been stated that Paul Quinn needs some financial assistance. And this is a way to do that. Um, my position is is that the funds that Dallas ISD gets from the community, from the taxpayers, those funds are to try to do what's best for our public school children, not to uh, enhance or help Paul Quinn. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think there are opportunities in there to be able to do that. Well, when we uh, see this situation, uh, why... Why do they uh, use the, uh, say, the uh, senior, junior high kids rather than senior high kids? Wouldn't senior high uh, work better if it would work at all? Well, what they're trying to do is put in what they call an international baccalaureate program. Uh, and so uh, that's going to start in middle school. Uh, mm. Actually, it should start in elementary school. But mm -hmm. what, what I did mention is, is that we do have an international baccalaureate program in the Oak Cliff area, which is less than two miles from the Paul Quinn campus uh, at mm -hmm. Harry Stone Middle School. All right. Uh, it's a Montessori school, but their middle school is IB, International mm -hmm. Baccalaureate. So we have a school already doing that in that neighborhood. What's the difference between an international baccalaureate and just... A regular baccalaureate degree. Well, it's a it's a rigorous uh, uh, degree. It's a rigorous program, and I, I mean, I have nothing against an international baccalaureate, and I have nothing against the opportunity for our kids to um, come out of uh, high school with college credits because you can with the with the IB program. Mm -hmm. But you have a middle school right down the street at Harry Stone that's an IB program. So mm -hmm. I've asked the district now to share with me data on that particular school to be able to uh, um, see what's actually happening there. And I will tell you in a meeting with the superintendent, uh, he did not know that there was an IB program right down the street. The general superintendent? The general superintendent admitted to me that he did not know it. And I'm not against that because we got two hundred In his district? We, we got 230-something schools. So, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not upset with him about not knowing. Yeah. What I am upset is, is that his people didn't tell him that, you know, we do have a school right down the street uh, that, that this program is already in. The only difference is... That program is, you have to be accepted into that program. So they're saying on the other side, this program, you can just walk in. Yeah, but any, any new thing come into your district and everything, don't he have to sign off on it? Yes, and his people did not share that with him. I, I'm, I'm not upset with him for not knowing. I'm upset that his people did not share that with him so that he would have been prepared to be able to to answer the question when I asked the question because I had a private meeting with him to discuss several things and that was one of them and then that's when he shared he did not know. All right, what about the uh, program that uh, Paul Quinn is has he signed off on that? Uh, what he has told me is is that if if the trustee for that district did not want it, he would not do it. But it has to have 
the the really the backing of the trustee. Correct. In order to go through with that particular program. Correct. And when you uh, well, uh, what about when that trustee say, well, they'll get college credit uh, while still in middle school? Not necessarily. Um, the, the the program is 6 through 10. The IB program is 6th grade through the 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily get college credit while they're still in middle I mean in middle excuse me, middle school. And the campus has to qualify as an IB. So so if the campus doesn't qualify as an IB, Paul Quinn will already have a middle school on its campus. Mm-hmm. where uh, Dallas ISD will be leasing space. But um, they've also, they also said at the board meeting that they, need, they might build a building on Paul Quinn's campus. So then the, the complication becomes who owns that building. You're taking taxpayer dollars that's supposed to be used for the students of DISD but you want to build a new building on Paul Quinn's campus. That's just crazy. Yeah, well, we have to discuss that. I tell you what, we're up against a short break. And you y'all can call us at 972-647-1893. 972-647-1893. And we'll be right back. Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Marion Barnett, your host. Our special guest this morning is Mr. Joyce Foreman. We are talking about uh, putting a Dallas Independent School District middle school on the campus of Paul Quinn College. And then also on that campus will be a charter school. Uh, what do you think about this? What what, what, what is your opinion of this? Do you think this is good? You think it's something great that could advance the children? Uh, do you think it's something that we better be sort of careful and maybe not need to uh, rush this thing too fast or do it at, ever at all? It's up to you. 972-607-1893 is the number to call for this particular program. It's a wonderful thing, in a way, at an idea. But when we have to look in depth into this thing, will it be a success, or could this be a train wreck? I wonder about that. All right, let's go to our phone lines. Good morning. Uh, We've got a call from Camille. Camille, all right. Good morning, Camille. Yeah, good morning, Jim Barnett and Trustee. I was wondering how you this morning. Good morning. Fine. I mm-hmm. I totally um, agree with Trustee what Trustee Foreman is saying, except for one item. When mm-hmm. you pay someone that has a PhD, regardless of whether he had a PhD or not, he superintended. He should know. What we have. I'm with you, Camille. Uh, you look. 
If you, I and guarantee I, everything this man drawing in with his pricks and all, probably well over half a million dollars. I mean, half. I mean, because he yeah. has a chauffeur. He has a chauffeur. But that, yes. that means he can leave while he's driving. It seems to look like he have a brother packing him around. Now, I don't know. But I see him, I see him together now. It's, we, we pay for that. So, um, you have a chauffeur. You can leave while you're riding. And you should definitely know your high-performing schools. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, not saying that you shouldn't know all of your campuses, but your high-performing schools, mm-hmm. the ones that you're always bragging on, you definitely should know what they have and what they don't have. And also, I I do what Trustee Foreman is saying. We have, um, we've always had, you know, early learning high school colleges on Dallas County Community College campuses. But when you look at the fact that they don't have dormitories, and you look at the fact that they're going to have a charter, and usually BISD try to feed our schools that are nearby. Mm-hmm. So what do you think will happen if you got a charter school and a and a public school on the same campus? Is that's that the fox watching the hen house or what? That's the way I'm looking at it, Rembrandt. And and to me, when you have people that that don't to me don't use what I call this everyday plain common sense street sense, street knowledge mm-hmm. to see this. This is just plain simple. Uh, and then they want us to vote to, I, I don't know, I just, it's just so many things that I don't understand that other people don't seem to see. When you have, me mentioned the hen watching the, the fox, or the fox watching the hen, when you have people that work for other places <laughs> that are not BISD schools, trying to push money into their organizations, our money into their organizations, mm-hmm. that's the problem with me. And and I just want everybody to remember that when they go out and vote. Just because you see something doesn't mean it's good. Mainly mm-hmm. in the situation we're in right now. You know, people are saying, well, hey, these, these people that stay in this um, elderly facility that they're renting, their rent is going to go up, and they, they're on a fixed income, and they can't afford it. So mm-hmm. when their rent go, when the when the owner's rent goes up, when the owner's taxes go up, their taxes are going to go up because he's going to push it on to them. If you're in a house, you're going to feel it anyway. So why would you go and vote for something that you don't know what they're doing with your money? Um, how they're going to spend it? You don't know how they spent it in the past. They won't give you information. Why would you support something now when we're in such a crisis that we're in and everybody needs um, their, well, not everybody, let me say this, the lower income citizens that are using public public schools need every uh, piece of resource that we can get into our pocket. All right. I want to thank both of you for your time and for listening. Thank you for your call. And to answer those, thank mm-hmm. you, sir. All right, thank you. Again. Uh, that clears the line, 972-647-1893. Would you like to comment on that? So I I, I will accept the criticism that Camille gave me in, in, in regards to the superintendent uh, should have known uh, about mm-hmm. the, the Ivy School. Uh, I just felt like, 
uh, and still kind of feel like his people should have told him people at the top don't always have the answers but you're paying people in the middle to be able to keep you informed yeah and but it's but I, something I, this important yeah i accept the criticism all right <laughs> all right who do we have jason this is a call from beverly all righty good morning beverly good morning you guys how you doing good Fine. Morning. how are you you know i still see segregation I still see segregation. Now, you have Gillian School down there. Correct. Okay. I see a lot of land over that way. Correct. Mm -hmm. Why are we impacting on this landmark? And I'm going to call it Bishop College. Mm -hmm. why, are we, why are we impacting on that? They're not doing their schools like that. Why are we going to sit here and tolerate this? Well... Uh, Trustee Foreman, she said they're not doing. Are they? Uh, will this be happening to Cary Middle School in North Dallas or something? What's what's going on? Would they put them on the campus of SMU or what would happen? No, they they absolutely would not. And um, I think the Beverly, the the problem is, is that sometimes um, we don't understand the backstory. And, and so the administration sometimes will bring things to you, but they have an ultimate goal that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have to be really careful and, and uh, kind of uh, cope through all of the stuff that they bring and all the conversations that they're having. Because um, there's so many different ways that this will impact our community. You just mentioned Gillum, which ha happens to be in my district. But, My granddaughter just graduated from there. Praise God. But And I love Gail Smith. Who is, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> she's beautiful. Yes. Uh, I fought to get her back there. But but um, the way the district has framed this is, is they're talking about they're going to get students from Roosevelt. Well, Roosevelt is way on the other side of Oak Cliff. That's a high school, though, isn't it? Yeah, but they, they're talking about that feeder pattern. Oh, okay. Coming from that feeder pattern, the Roosevelt feeder pattern, which is on the other side of Oak Cliff. The Carter feeder pattern is closer. Mm -hmm. But they didn't want to put the Carter feeder pattern on that, which Gillum is a part of. They mm -hmm. didn't want to put that on there because they know that it's going to impact the kids in the Carter feeder pattern mm -hmm. uh, more than it will impact the kids in the Roosevelt feeder pattern. So they, they're doing a lot of spins and twists to be able to try to get what, what they want. And absolutely, they're not going to do anything that possibly could put those kids in danger because guess what? The people in that community would stand up against it. Okay. And we should, too. All right. We now, will the, I want to ask you, will these children have extracurricular programs? Like, are they going to offer all that, uh, that as the DISD school would do? That was not discussed with me, but we do know that the extracurricular programs like volleyball, uh, basketball, football for junior, um, junior high schools, we know mm -hmm. that those are in play. But that has not been discussed. So what I would assume they will try to do is to send those kids over to Kennedy Curry uh, while they're siphoning off kids at Kennedy Curry. Uh -huh. you know, I, I'm disappointed because I, Skyland was developed for 
certain people. I was one of those to be able to attend. Mm-hmm. You see, Frazier, I came from there. I'm, you came I'm, from Frazier? Yes, ma'am. Amen. I went there from, <laughs> from first grade to the fifth grade, and that was in uh, 60, when they started letting us buy houses, uh-huh. buy houses. That's when I went to Oak Cliff. That's how I learned a lot of this stuff that wasn't being taught to us at G.C. Frazier mm-hmm. in our area where it was over there. Mm-hmm. I went to Lisbon. Uh-huh. See, and, and I learned a whole lot of things, and they can miss me on a lot of things. Uh, Skyline was a career developmental school. That's when the busing started. Correct. And it just corrupt. It just corrupt everything. It's, it's unreal how they do our neighborhood. I agree, Beverly. I'm a, and you probably heard me say this on here more than one time. I am a firm believer in neighborhood schools, period. Yes. Just period. I'm a firm believer in neighborhood schools. Enhance our neighborhood school <coughs> schools. Open it up to all the children. And we will all benefit more. I don't need You're a not a, a fan of uh, the magnet school. I am not against uh, magnet schools. What I, what I do understand is children learn differently. And some children are more advanced. I'm good with that. But at the same time, we cannot just uh, abandon our neighborhood schools where the majority of our children are. You're going to only have a limited amount of kids in the magnet programs. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to make sure that we give the best education to the majority of our kids also. Mm -hmm. All right. You guys, thank you for letting me uh, share this and have a wonderful day. Thank Thank you. you. Uh Thank you. That clears the line, 972-647-1893. Who do we have, Jason? Up next, we have Red Ghost. All right. Good morning, Red Ghost. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Um, uh, it's kind of weird how um, the, the uh, school is getting ready to be uh, placed out there at Paul Quinn when you got Shingle Mountain maybe about a half a mile away and mm-hmm. pulling the kids from Roosevelt mm-hmm. in that area to go out to that school. <coughs> health problem will these kids have that don't have that problem now? Because they will be close to Shingle Mountain. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember the students that's out there around that area also is being affected mm-hmm. by that mountain there. Mm-hmm. So what are, you, what are the school district doing about that as far as uh, uh, focusing on those, uh, the health of those kids? Yeah, and, and and could I ask him to your question? Uh, who's gonna be ultimate, ultimately responsible for those children out there, Paul Quinn? Would it be DISD or Paul Quinn? Something happened to one of those 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 kids. Or who's 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 gonna be responsible? So I I do not have the answer to that. Oh, I I, I think you got mixed jurisdictions, and when you have mixed juris- jurisdictions, you have a lot of finger pointing. Everybody passing the book, man. Could be. And to answer Red Ghost's question, I'm not sure uh, exactly how all of this is going to work, but what I, what I can tell you is the district has uh, hired 52 new clinicians. Uh, that will be psychiatrists, sociologists, uh, sociologists. Um, to work with our children, and, and uh, that is one of the initiative, initiatives that I have pushed uh, within the district uh, to make sure that our kids get the kinds of help that they need. And uh, we've also engaged in telemedicine services 
uh, with Parkland Hospital to try to address some of those issues. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay. And, and another thing with the, uh, we, had, we did a program in Tishkree here uh, a while back, and I keep harping on it because it is a part of our history here that we've been trying to build in the district, <laughs> historic district. And I have these uh, things of these items of these kids that went to uh, NW Harley for the first time. And uh, we like to give these medals and little ornaments out to these kids that that Penn Street up here to see if uh, mm-hmm. you would be willing somewhere having time with some of the council members uh, and some of the uh, trustees. We'll give these kids that went to Townview and NW Harley their little trophies that uh, we've been holding down here at the bottom. For the uh, for the uh, schools to uh, recognize these kids that got into some of these early programs that you had, like so, upcycling. So the problem so, that, that you might have, Red Ghost, is uh, actually contacting those particular students. Uh, if you are willing to uh, donate those artifacts to the district, I can certainly help you with that, along with um, to. Uh, Dallas ISD, but you you might have a problem with trying to locate those people to uh, individually hand those out. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, what I was trying to do is uh, it's just to invite you as as a trustee to one of the little events that we're having in our community to, if the kids came, which, you know, we're kind of like in familiar with the kids, we can refine those because we have the uh, information a little bit. But I like for you, if you want to, we having a, a getting ready for our players drive and stuff like that. Is to come back into the NW Harley when you have time on your schedule to be a part of the little programs that we're doing here in our neighborhood. So uh, we'll send an invite out. So and that's what we're looking for. That's fine. And remember, I appreciate your show, everything out there, and, and let's look at this at this uh, at this mountain out here when you're sending these kids out. I tell you what, the, is very important. That's correct. The show that comes on after me, but they have dealt with it at all. That mountain, I call them a black flag flapjacks. They, that's what they look like, and it just doesn't sit well for a city as large as Dallas. Have something sitting like that, and you know, it has some poisonous features about them, even when that when. Uh, those shingles are created. They're created with certain things on there. Have you ever put uh, shingles on a house? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, well, you know how hot it gets on that roof up there, and uh, and it start they start melting. And it gets uh, it get a certain odor there. I, yeah. Yeah, something should have been done like about shingles. this a long time ago. What's taking so long? Uh, it's, 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 it's management. I, I think the mayor would love to uh, get it out of there and get it off his back. But the manager controls the uh, city, and, and uh, uh, he, he does the job of removing and taking out and making the budget, you know, getting things right. And mm-hmm. I don't know, this is not, this is the management situation. It's not the, uh, I don't think it's the mayor's problem. It's the manager well, and, his, and his people. The council because and, you know, and the mayor uh, is the manager's boss. But uh, have y'all w- w- sit down and talk with Broadnecks about that? Uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm just a listener, and just plug it in where I can. It's the other people that's in the power. It's the other community uh, people that's getting together that want this move. Got to get together as a group to, to see where it's at. Even point at who. 
I mean, get, get them out here and debate them just like Biden and, and Trump. Why you can't get this mountain moved? Well, I you know, why, hope why? it don't be like Trump. Uh, just keep a lot no, of rhetoric going because you don't know the answer anyway. Somebody, somebody's giving us the Trump down there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Somebody, you can't move a mountain. You ran yeah. across the street from the dumb ground. Yeah, giving you all the you Trump. Across, across the street from the dumb ground. All right. You ran across the street from the dumb ground. Okay. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm enjoying the show. Hey, Thank uh, you. Peace out. And uh, everybody that's listening, hey, we're having players drive. And we got, uh, we got this float. We got this float. We're going to give you a little ride, a little tour. So, uh, jump aboard. Oh, okay. Certainly right, will. Thanks, Brother Burnett. Yeah, have a good right. show. Thank you. Appreciate uh-huh. Certainly will. We are up against a short break, and we'll be right back, and you can call us at 972-607-1893. All righty. Who do we have on the line, Jason? This is a call from David. All right. Good morning, David. How you doing, sir? Fine. How are you? Oh, I got peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Us three was educated by Negroes that was colored people that white folks call you people. And my mama, 97 years old, and her three doctors' degrees, they would call that the big end doctors' degrees. They, these are the people that educated us. Mm-hmm. See, my mama, 97, I was born and raised on May Rowling College campus. I was born April the 1st, 1946, at 8.30, on the piano stool at May Rowling College in Crockett, Texas. Mm-hmm. We know for a fact that Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson took us down the wrong street. We thought we were going down the right street, but right now in 2020, we know we went the wrong street. Ain't no more black colleges. Ain't no more black colleges because I I just went to my grandson's graduation last year at Texas Southern, and it was more Sunni Muslims graduating from that school than it was us. So... Yeah, you're right on that. I got the graduation... I got the graduation exercises That's if the back wasn't going on. That's correct. You see, not black African-Americans. See, we weren't educated by black African-Americans. That's my grandson is being educated. 
My grandchildren is being educated by black African Americans and we the people in the public school system right now. See, we came through where we learned. We had grammar, we had agriculture. Agriculture, Pop William told us, you can't have a culture until you understand agriculture. And they don't take, took agriculture out when they integrated, they took home economics. And that's very funny, sister, home economics. Economics was taught to the black female. It wasn't taught to the black man. They taught us agriculture. We had a culture. See, that's a compound word. And we knew how to grow. We knew how to build because food and shelter is what you first need. You ain't got nobody coming out of a public school system right now that looks like me and you know anything about how to plant a seed in the ground. As we yeah. speak, so that's right. Proverbs one verse twenty seven says, "O ye simple ones, how long are you going to fall for simplicity?" Uh, every person that looks like me and call themselves a black African American, you need to go read what the proverbs say about you. Because when you become a black African American in nineteen seventy, and this is your golden anniversary year, fifty years ago behind Jesse Jackson saying he was one in 1960 and say that Jesus Christ first and the Democratic Party second. And this is you pitiful. This is what we're suffering with right now. It is pitiful. Mm. So I ain't got no amnesia. <laughs> I ain't All got right. no form for amnesia. And I got one hell of a memory. Uh -huh. How it used to be and how it is now. Just like Jesus said, he didn't come from this world. Me and you didn't come from this world. We living in this world and this culture, the hip-hop, African-American culture. But this ain't what we came out of, uh, uh, sister. And look at your churches. You couldn't wear your dress in my grandmother's church above your knees. They give you a towel. And you look like you're going to the nightclub, going to the church. And don't tell me you don't, because I've been since 65 years, seven nights a week, singing and dancing in a nightclub. All <laughs> right. Your music. Your uh, music in right. the church album. Thank you, Rebo. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. That comes to line 972-647-1893. All right. Who do we have? That's uh, actually Malcolm. As attorney, attorney Robinson. Uh, attorney Robinson. All right. I tell you what, he gets uh, cut every week also. You can join in in this conversation. Uh, good morning, Attorney Robinson. What do you think about this conversation? Well, I have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Okay. So, uh, trustee Foreman, no, I have to be careful. So. Yes, you do. I would prefer you just stay out of it. Exactly. Thank you, trustee Foreman. <laughs> why, why would he have to stay out? He's a citizen of this country. So I don't, I don't get in a conflict is what the issue is. Ah, you were born in conflict. <laughs> born out of conflict. We came into this conflicted world. We all have conflict. We all have to lay some things on the line and trust it and, and test it. Well, trustee Foreman and I go back a long, long way. Guys. Yes, we do. How far you go back with it? Not as far as you, so don't even start trying to compare. 
See, I knew her some long years ago. Yeah. When I was uh, I was in pre-K, she was. A, no, he's she he's was in not college. being truthful. He's a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not being truthful. We were teenagers. Yeah. At El Centro together. Yeah, I well, think, a long time ago. Trustee Foreman does an outstanding job. Thank you mm -hmm. so very much. Yeah, but when we come to litigation, if things happen, uh, would would this college be called a consolidated college then? You asking me? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm not familiar with all the of enough of the facts surrounding that situation. So I cannot really comment. I think Trustee Foreman has indicated there's a, a jurisdictional issue. And uh, so it's almost like in baseball when, uh, when someone hits a uh, fly ball and everybody running towards it to try and catch it, supposedly try and catch it, and nobody ends up catching it. So I'm not sure exactly how that would work out. Yeah, but in baseball, they're called for it. See, I got it. With this place here, I got, if something happened there, I got a funny feeling. Everybody going to say, I don't have it. It's not mine. So I, I well, we have to, we have to deal with it. But uh, you're going to hang on. He's going to hang you on until we go into the 8 o'clock hour. And okay. uh, we'll take calls on the uh, other lines, one of the other lines. All righty? Okay. All right. Who do we have, Jason? This is Ike. All right. Good morning, Ike. Good morning, Reverend Barnett, and good morning, uh, Trustee Form. Good morning, good Mr. Morning. Sting. Uh, oh, Reverend Barnett, I wanted to kind of bring it up that uh, in the southern sector, we are oversaturated with charter schools, and PIP, as been noted before, mm -hmm. is uh, most of their campuses in Dallas are still in campus, and a lot of people don't know that Kip Dallas failed, and then they went, we didn't finish themselves calling themselves Kip Austin, and that's just a loophole that are being used, just like Faith Family. When Faith Family of Dallas failed, they went and we invented themselves as uh, Faith Walter Hatchet. Mm -hmm. And Dallas, the southern sector, as you always say, uh, Ram Barnett, with our, our streams and creeks and rolling mm -hmm. hills and our tree and our trees and landscape. Beautiful area. It's the best, the beautiful part of Dallas it is. Mm -hmm. But it's oversaturated with charter schools. You got one at 35 and Key, 35 and Ann Arbor, 35 and uh, uh, Camp Wisdom. Mm -hmm. You know, to keep the one off of 35 and... Uh, Wheatland several times, so now they goes over and they want to capture property on 45 and uh, Temple Stewart, which would be on Paul Queen. Let me ask you something. Aren't you tired of being used? Well, I'm not. I'm fighting. I'm, I'm I know you're fighting, but aren't you tired of being used? I'm sick and tired of it, and I'm sick and tired that what they do is take our money and do big promotions and commercials and they promote their bond package that we don't want because we had a heated argument the other night about the bond package. 
And mm-hmm. the simple question was, why can't we wait on the bond package until we get in writing what we going to get? Uh, one of the school board trustees say, uh, 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 we're going to have to fight anyway, so let's go on and vote for it and put the money on the table. Then we fight after the money get on the table. Well, here's the thing about a a bond. They do not know what they're talking about because they don't have enough experiences with bonds to tell how they operate. On the last three bonds, I got the Dallas Independent School District. I served on the the committee. This is the group that put put the, the package together for the other bond committee to come and proposed it and sent it to Washington to the stock exchange. Oh, it's a lot of other stuff go on there. But we put things, certain things in there. Uh, if they only knew, if black people only knew, there is not a bond but one we should have passed in the last 30 years. We should have passed one. But uh, we just vote because they said we're doing something for the children. People are doing it out of their, their, their good heart. But we are doing it for children, but not ours. Right, right. Not ours. And, and we, we, need to, we need to understand what we're doing with our money. We need to understand right, that. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing about uh, the situation at Palm Queen. Mm-hmm. It's about why can't we take that money, if we want to put a middle school or even build one into the existing middle school in that area, it's because of real estate and justification. Because once you start capturing kids' minds and getting all these people to come in, and when you go, uh, I was listening at uh, Meatball, talking about a, a, a Southern down there in Houston. When you go to Power Queen and see how many people look like me that's walking around there. And when I brought that up, mm-hmm. they said that uh, President Mike Terrell is teaching him the work with all people. But you know what? Well, you know what? Hey, here's what one thing I, what gets me. We always want to talk about working with all people and doing things. And nobody working with us. Don't nobody ever volunteer to work with us, and definitely not for us. Uh, we always reach out to others and get slapped as soon as they get what they want out of our hands into their hands. And we, we have to understand that we, we see, this has come to the ignorance of religion. We don't know who we are. And the world system will never be on our side. I tell you all that. I'll say, oh, someday, someday, someday. No, there's a system. The Bible teaches you that will never be on our side. And we, our problem is we won't come together. Right, let me say this to Barnett. Mm-hmm. The PIP, the PIP charter school, okay, there was not enough effort to stop that. There was a lot of hiding and lying going on because mm-hmm. that in there sitting in the studio next to you is the champion of fighting against charter schools here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So why would you go to a fight to fight a charter school for coming in the area and not bring her to the table? Well, uh, she's not wanted at the table. 
that's what I'm saying. So it's a, it's a bunch of lies and hypocrisy going on, and I don't have any data on it, but it has been taken, and even Mike Sorrell, the president of Power Queen College, he sit on the board for Pippa at one time. Mm-hmm. So now, we, you talking about the box watching the hen. Not only is he watching the hen, he's watching the kids out. So thank you for taking my call, and thank you, Ms. Foreman, and... Thank you. We got a fight on our hands, Bill Barnett. And the people that's up there got the gloves on that say they're in the fight. They won't even get in the ring. So thank you for taking yeah. the call. Well, we have, thank you. We have so many people want to fight from the sideline instead of getting into the ring. We have to understand this whole situation that when we elect people, we elect them to represent us, but at the same time, we don't send them off to fight by themselves. Stand with them. Stand behind them. And then we'll work with people. Uh, how often do you, Miss Foreman, have someone in those boardrooms uh, there just sitting in the audience letting people know that they're concerned about the welfare of the Dallas Independent School District, welfare of children, the welfare of the community, so go your schools, so go your communities. It's just that simple. And uh, do you get a lot of backup? Well, you know, uh, Reverend Barnett, I'm blessed in that. Uh, I've been able to reach across uh, to many communities, many districts, and, and when there uh, are people in person in the school board meetings, I have lots of support uh, in what I'm trying to, trying to accomplish. Because my goal is not about me. It's about children. And it's about making sure that our kids get the best that they possibly can. And that includes all children. Now, I am not going to apologize to anyone for doing extra work on African-American children Mm -hmm. uh, because they are the ones that are uh, dragging up the bottom in more areas than we like to talk about. When we Mm -hmm. talk about uh, school discipline, uh, the more African-American children being disciplined, particularly African-American boys. Mm -hmm. When we talk about health issues, African-Americans are there at the top of the list. When we talk about academics, African-Americans are at the top of the list. So I don't apologize for making sure that these children get what they need. Because one of the things that I do understand is the people sent me there to fight for what is right. And I have lots of history uh, in people who came before me that actually uh, stood up for for our people and for education. And I am well aware of my position. And I'll say this um, before I quit. I'm not obligated to anyone, no PAC, no individual, no organization, I'm obligated to perform for the community. I have a job where I go to work every day, so I don't depend on anybody else's support. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I tell you what, we're up against a break, and we'll be right back. Here we go. 
Power number two of Church Information in the Open Forum. I'm Marion Barnett, your host. Yes, I'm also the senior pastor of Heavenly Joy Church, and we're inviting you tomorrow morning, 9.30. Everybody be there. Uh, streaming with us on Facebook, Marion Barnett Senior. Look on that, and we have service. We'll be preaching at 9.30 in the morning. Come by and listen to us there on Facebook tomorrow morning. Every Sunday morning, 9.30. And we'd like to thank Miss Foreman for being here in the studio with us. We have attorney Robinson on the line. We probably uh, all... How many of those calls are holdover calls? For uh, one. Just one holdover? Just one. We'll take that holdover call and then get to uh, attorney Robinson. Okay, well, this is Amani. All right. Good morning, Imani. Good morning, uh, Pastor and uh, mm -hmm. uh, Sister Palmer. Good, Good morning, Imani. Well, peace be with you. I wanna, I wanna uh, ask the Pastor. This is something I've learned. Uh, in fact, by the way, I want to take Casey Palmer for the day. The meeting we have on Wednesday at six o'clock at the center. The center, but they overturned. They overturned and and marshaled by that African connection. A bookstore at the Hyundai Shopping Center. Right. Mm -hmm. We had a great meeting, and I'm, I wish everybody would come out because Casey's doing a great job. Uh, and then the TA, the TA representative of Dallas, was there, the, the sister, she was there, she educated a, a large crowd about how to deal with uh, Austin. But I want to ask, uh, this, I got two books that I'm reading, not read them. You ever read the book by Psycho? Uh, Academical Holocaust by Dr. Uwan Johnson and another book called uh, it's called uh, The Counting the Conspiracy to Destroy the Black Boys by Dr. Jawanza Kondjuku and basically what they, they said that we can, we can build all the schools you want to but they're not built in the first place we know that and then we got uh, Brother Sister Foreman what are you doing have you read those books? I have not well, I think when you read those books, and I've read them years ago, but you'll you change your mind what you think. The system is not set up for us, and I know we fight and fight and fight in the system, but it wasn't built for us. And, and I just wish you could. You could meet me down there Wednesday. I, 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 I'll I'll bring those books and let you read those. Wednesday, Wednesday at 6 o'clock at Galloway and Heron, the real estate. I know where I know where it is. I don't know what my schedule looks like, so I don't want to commit. If, yeah, if I have well, an opportunity, I'll call you. Well, if you can't meet us down there, because we've got it. We organize PowerNomics.com under Cloud Anderson and Boss Dr. Watson. We are organizing. We don't do all this complaining anymore. We have a lot of people that are national now that we're organizing. We're coming together, and we are working. So I... I, I know the complaints, but we have to solve our own problem. Nobody else can do that. And Pastor, I, I'm going to look at you some more. I appreciate you taking my call. All right. Thank you. 
That's the line, 972-647-1893. We'd like to say welcome to the Aquino Hotline. Welcome back to the hotline this morning. Uh, Attorney Robinson, good morning. Uh, uh, Barrister, are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, All right. First hour. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Uh, there's an uprise in this uh, coronavirus. That means people are dying again. And uh, that means we have properties. We have things which is nothing more to say than really wealth and money even greater than money, is changing hands so many ways, changing fast. Are we as a people, are we getting the money? Is the money going to the state? Is it going to certain districts or certain things, to lawyers? Hello. Uh, is it going to people that, that really it should be going to? You're talking about the money from the uh, uh, stimulus uh No, I'm, t I'm talking about, say, the sale and the use of properties. Okay. That, yeah, let me uh, kind of speak to that. There's a difference, apparently, in the market now, mm -hmm. or apparently, uh, between the residential and the commercial real estate market. Mm -hmm. Apparently, it appears the commercial real estate market is going down way down uh, shopping centers mm -hmm. office building uh, I don't know what's going to happen I think it may end up crashing uh, at some point the residential real estate market appears to be moving uh, and what I'm saying is I've gotten numerous calls regarding people having interest in their uh, property in connection with the uh, uh, transactions, purchase and sale of residential transactions. As a result of that, uh, it triggered uh, individuals who are interested in clarifying the title and interest in their real estate. And as a, and as a result of that, you get more into the probate aspect of it because a lot of uh, titles to residential property in the African-American community rest with the parents or grandparents which have which have been deceased and no one has taken any action to clarify and transfer the title to the to the heirs. Do the, so we get, do the authority to the state or anybody do they look the people up? Who actually own the property, or do they just let it sit and eventually let tax eat it up? How, 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 how does that work? In our community, it appears like uh, we let it sit, and for some reason, we have the belief that if your grandparents died or your parents died, that the uh, that you automatically uh, take title and, and interest in the property that they own especially in their, in their home. Uh, and that is not the case, and we always have to tell people to, to clarify that. Mm -hmm. So I always say, and say to the listening audience, that you, that you have to get a copy, current copy of the deed 
to the property that you have a question. That's very important. The current copy uh, to the deed. Mm-hmm. And, and whose ever name is on that deed is the person who has title and interest in that property, even though that person may be deceased. So, uh, but to answer your question, because apparently there's been an increase in moving residential property, uh, a lot of things that we have talked about over the, oh, oh, it's been over a year since I've been on on your show on the second uh, Saturday of each month. Mm-hmm. People uh, are calling and indicated that they had heard the show and that they have some questions or concerns regarding their parents' property or, or their grandparents' property. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully people are beginning to take notice of that now and and trying to uh, get their arms around that and make that correction so that they can uh, buy or sell uh, the property in question. Well, when... Um when is it a, a liability to keep property? Is it ever? Well, I don't think, well, there's a burden that comes with it that, 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 that may be a liability if you're not in a financial position uh, because property is a uh, what we call a non-liquid asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be worth a lot of money, but you can't take the property and go to the grocery store and buy groceries. It has to be liquidated in the form of cash. So either you have to uh, use that property uh, to collateralize your access to cash, or you may get to a point where it's more costly for you to continue to try and maintain the property, in which case then you might want to sell, uh, sell the property uh, and uh, get the cash out of it. Uh, a lot. Let me say this: that as uh, regarding residential property, that you know, a lot of people who have lived in their property over the years have uh, created equity in that property, mm-hmm. and then um, they'll go out, they'll refinance, they'll get reverse mortgages, and to get the equity down, and that's one way to get the the uh, cash out of your property and still. Uh, have some title interest in the property. Uh-huh. You still have to pay that back. Uh-huh. Why is the most expensive property in the Dallas area? You know, that's 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 obviously. You know, you're going to say to a certain extent, North Dallas has, has and and the essential business district. But the thing that we don't know is the developing areas that may end up being the most most expensive uh, property, and so and usually in those areas, the property goes down in value first. Then mm-hmm. it gets down to a certain point, then it'll shoot back up because developers come in and try to grab the property and then develop it. And that's when the the uh, price uh, increases. So. If you're in a position to hold on to your property, when it goes down and when it begins to come back up, then that's when you'll make the uh, uh, get the most uh, uh, benefit out of your property ownership. Well, where's the more expensive property? South Dallas or Oak Cliff? Uh, I would say right now, today is probably Oak Cliff. 
but South Dallas is 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 coming up fast uh, because there's a lot of property transactions apparently going on in South Dallas because I get calls in regards to that. If and uh, go ahead. Well, if if you had property in South Dallas right now. Which would be more advantageous, to buy, I mean to keep it, or sell it? It'd be more advantageous to keep it if you can keep it. Mm-hmm. Because that area is going to grow and develop, and you want to hold on to it until it begins to uh, be developed, and that's when the property values are going to go up. The problem is, a lot. some people that own that property, uh, they're not in a position to hold on to it because, you know, uh, property taxes go down, and then they start creeping back up, mm-hmm. and that's when you get your gentrification uh, in regards to that, because you aren't able well, to keep up with the property tax. Well, taxes go up on that land uh, uh, as you wait. Say that again. Well, taxes go up on the property uh, as you wait. Oh, yeah, taxes are going to go up because there's the property value begins to go up, then the property tax is going to go up. And mm-hmm. so you have to have, be in a position to hold on to it during that time period until it gets to a point where you're able to to profit off of it. And that's when you can can uh, sell the, your title, your interest in the property. Mm-hmm. So you can tell you can tell that property values are going up because of the property taxes are, are going up incrementally. So... Uh if you have property, say South Dallas, uh, uh, you would hang on to that property because gentrification is coming. Yes. And, uh, I would say so, yes. Let, 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 let me put it like this. Uh, other people of other ethnic groups are moving in. Let me say it like that. Let's make sure. We don't miss oh, anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the, the demand results in the increase in property values. You know, that's what happened in the Bishop Arts District, uh, that type of development around, mm-hmm. you know, Jefferson, over mm-hmm. there where my uh, office is uh, located. Well, that, so, that, that, that's, a, that's a strange district to me. Uh, you already have extremely expensive property right there in Kessler Park. But you're right down the street there, down Bishop, go down, and you start there in that uh, that particular district. Will, is, will that property increase, or is already so high it doesn't need to, need to increase? What's going on there? I, I think it's going to increase more uh, in the area, but I think it's because of the commercial uh, property. You know, a lot of it's commercial down. And as I indicated before, the commercial real estate market is is in jeopardy right now. Mm-hmm. So that's going to go down because of the the uh, the pandemic. Yeah, uh, the demand for commercial property and use of space is has substantially decreased. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to ask him about now is not a time to buy a business property. You can call us at 972-647-1893. We'll be right back.
Malcolm, you, uh, you, you're going to have to give out your number because more people, every the first thing they ask me when they're going to talk about you, why don't that lawyer give out his number? I, I think I hear you doing it, but some reason, somebody, people don't don't remember your number. Well, I, well, you know, well anyway, let me just say, my phone number is 214-941-0777. My extension is 303. That's 214-941-0717, extension 303. It's the law firm of Robinson and & Hoskins. And uh -huh. you, we have a website, robinsonhoskins.com. Uh, uh, you can look it up as well. But the telephone number is 214-941-0717, extension 303. In cases of uh, disputes about laying, usually uh, it's usually on a death uh, or a death or something like. That. How often do you have to go to uh, to court? Well, uh, in the probate area, uh, you don't go to court. Well, excuse me, let me make sure I, you go to court quite a bit because if there's a, if a person dies with a will. There has to be application to probate the will. Eventually, that's a court, that's a court appearance. It's not a trial, but you, you file the application and go through the process, and you have to appear to prove up the will. If the person dies without a will, there's an application to probate their state intestate without a will, and you have to go to court for that. You go to court in regards to uh, administration of the state. Uh, you go to court if there's, if there's a contest, a dispute, within the family regarding uh, being uh, heirs to uh, assets of the deceased. So you see, you do a lot of court appearances. You don't do as many trials, but there's a significant amount of court appearances that's mm -hmm. required. Now, that has uh, the time frame in terms of going to court has uh, slowed down. I guess I'm going to say slowed down. It takes you longer to get certain things done through the court because they don't have it, they do not have as many court appearances or they, they spread them out because of the pandemic. So whereas before, you know, you used to be able to move things faster through the courts, now you have to take into consideration the additional time mm -hmm. that it takes for them, for the courts to uh, address the matter. Uh, in, in property, if that's, say, a divorce, let's look at it like this. If one has a judgment against the other, can they, or that, that the one, one of the parties can't go to the property? And you're in the midst of this pandemic. What do you do uh, if you can't go to the property? You're in the midst of the pa pandemic. Uh, the property may not even be well kept. It might be well kept. Uh, you just never know. How do you handle a situation? Do you just continue to allow it to uh, sit when it's really uh, accumulating uh, different different things uh, that it, that it would need? What 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 to do in a divorce? Well, now. You know, I, I don't I don't practice family law, but in a divorce where you have property 
dispute. Uh, uh, a lot of times the courts will appoint a receiver or someone to oversee the property. And depending on what type of property it is, mm-hmm. uh, during the pendency of the divorce. Say it's a home. Say that again. Say it's a home. Well, usually, uh, my understanding and the way it was when I was practicing family law, they will give temporary access to one one of party over the other. It just depends on what the circumstances are. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not like both of them get locked out of the property. Somebody will get used uh, of the property and reside in the property and the other person uh, will not. The court would decide that based upon temporary orders. That's the way I understand that the way that is done until the divorce is finalized. What if the resi- one resident is uh, is residing there but not having the proper upkeep? Uh, when they file a divorce and they get the temporary orders, the temporary orders will determine who will take possession custody of the property pending the divorce. There, there will be certain conditions uh, in there that require them to, to to keep the property. You have to preserve the property. You can't just go and deplete the assets. So you have mm-hmm. to you know, make sure it's taken care of, maintained, you know, in proper insurance on it and and, and things like that. And, and that the court will require that as part of the temporary order pending the final outcome of the divorce. But like I say, I don't practice family law, so uh, mm-hmm. if anyone out there is having an issue regarding a divorce, you definitely need to consult with a family uh, attorney, attorney that does family law and license to do so in the state of Texas, if you're in the state of Texas. Uh, you said license to uh, practice family law? Is that a special license? No, well, well I guess what I meant would be clarified. License to practice law in the state of Texas, and they practice in in. They practice family law. Now, isn't uh, most cases that, though, you will be handling, uh, families will be uh, um, clients, won't they? Will it not be that way in most cases that you're handling? Well, in cases that that, that we're involved with, where you're dealing with the probate area, uh, there are families involved. Uh, but they involve uh, primarily regarding descent and distribution of the assets of the deceased deceased person. Or uh, they involve where, uh, well, you know, we do wills and uh, uh, help people draw up their wills. But if the person dies, then there's a question about who are the heirs and only heirs of the deceased. And, and family members are involved in that. Mm-hmm. And only the court and declare who the legal heirs are. So uh, some people feel that, you know, when they die just because they the son or the daughter or whatever that they are heir, that's not, technically that's not correct. You are a descendant of the deceased, but you're not an heir unless the court uh, declares you an heir. That's one of the purposes why you go through probate. So you are declared a legal heir of the, the, the deceased person. So we have to make sure we understand there's a big difference between being a, a descendant and being an heir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't have a court order indicating that you are a legal heir, then you have not been declared an heir. Well, does, does uh, which one carry the most weight? Blood or 
documents, uh, say like a marriage license or something, what carries the most weight in college? Well, when you talk about, uh, uh, of course, if you die and you're married to someone, then that means you're married. Uh, but then, again, the court will still have to declare the spouse as an heir to the deceased person. Uh, if you, if, you know, you have your birth certificate and you can show that you're, you're uh, you are the biological, or you, uh, you believe you're the biological descendant based upon the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, but you still are not a legal heir until the court declares you a legal heir. Uh, but the birth certificate can be used as evidence to create a presumption that you uh, that you may be the biological descendant, and therefore you can be an, an heir of that of that person. Those are those legal heirs, legal heirs. Yes. When we see that situation, that what we call a legal heir. Would you uh, consider yourself a legal heir uh, through adoption? Okay. Okay, let's put it like this. If if a person is adopted, the, the court will determine that that person is the son or daughter of the, of the person that go in and adopted. But they're still not a legal heir until a, a probate court declares them as a legal heir. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that's 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 what I mean by uh, you can be a descendant of a person mm-hmm. and not a legal heir. You only become a legal heir when the court declares you a legal heir. But you can still be a descendant, and adoption will will to make you a legal descendant if it's done by a court. Ah, oh, okay, because there are times. Now, years ago, this might be a little bit before your your uh, uh, time. Uh, might be a little before my, my time, but I, we could refer to Trustee Foreman and ask her. Uh, people used to adopt children, and they wouldn't have papers on them. Well, that's not a legal adoption. They just took the child in. And then they'll say they adopted them, but they hadn't gone to any court. No court has uh, indicated that they have adopted the child. Now, you can use the fact, uh, if you have to go to court, you can use the fact that, well, so-and-so took Johnny in and, and kept him and all that to try to get the court to recognize that in terms of declaring that Johnny may be an heir. But uh, you, you can only legally adopt somebody if you go through the court and the court actually issues and declares that uh, and a legal adoption has occurred. Although yes. they raised the child and this, this right. is for years now oh, with yeah. some long lost relative out of California somewhere comes in and says no they want the property they don't want this child that has no paperwork to have it. Uh, who would who you think would win in that in most cases in Texas? Well, if the child, the child that that and there's no paperwork, but it, it's a de facto. We call it a de facto kind of like adoption circumstances. So mm-hmm. there's no legal adoption, but they did everything for the child as if they had adopted it. Mm-hmm. They would have to get an attorney and go into court and get the court to give recognition to that that circumstances and, and declare that because of the fact that. Uh, 
They acted as if they adopted them. They are, de they are declared that they are legal uh, heir. They may be eligible to be declared a legal heir. Well, yeah. But, uh, in that case, blood is not thicker than water, huh? Well, <laughs> well, blood is always thicker than water. Because so that's, that's your biological, uh, blood is your biological connection. Mm -hmm. uh, but biological connection is not just legally conclusive. Uh, you can be biologically connected to someone, but doesn't that doesn't just by itself qualify you as being an heir. That has to be established. And so, uh, but under the law, uh, if there's a legal adoption, then w blood is not thicker than water because if you legally adopt somebody, they fall in line just as if they were uh, biological descendants. Yeah, I see that. I tell you what, let's, let's take some calls. 972-607-1893 is the number to call. Uh, who do we have on the line? Uh, this is a call from Ahmad. All right. Good morning, Ahmad. Hey, Reverend Barnett, this is a mod. You had me last week, but I just wanted to let you know that there's no uh, four profits in nonprofit. Yeah, it's about for over 30 years. Uh, mm -hmm. so we're still issuing those. Happening now. With the still do own property without insurance. How are usually those residents of settled if there are children involved? Well, when I say children, they can be grown. But could they take the property over? Or who gets the chance to do it? How has that worked out? If 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 any uh, descendant who happens to be a, a child, uh, they need if they lose a parent or a grandparent, but I'm going to say parent. Parent dies, and they need to consult with an attorney and mm -hmm. explain what the situation is and find out what their legal rights and obligations are and then what they need to do in order to protect or pursue those those rights. We get calls about that a lot, and mm -hmm. we always uh, lay out that uh, it can, you have to consult. We have to uh, sit down with them and go over the circumstances of the death. Uh, we require them to bring in certain documents so we can take a look at it, and then we can give them some indication of what needs to be done to make sure that uh, any interest that they have in any of the assets, we're not just talking about property, but the other assets, how they could get access to that mm -hmm. if they feel they're entitled to it. So first we will, we'll go over to see what it appears that they may be entitled to. Yeah. And uh, then lay out a, a, a game plan or strategy that they can pursue in order to make sure that they get access, uh, legal acquisition, to whatever they may be entitled. Well, now, would an attorney be needed to sue in a case 
let's take this case down there in Wolf City. Uh, would an attorney be able to sue, say, the policemen's that pulled the trigger, that particular property? Uh, do usually uh, uh, the lawyer that's uh, uh, court lawyers... That that that's that's not a trial. Well, well, they you you won't be the murder trial. You won't be a defendant or uh, acted as a DA. How do cases like that is how do how are they usually used? Well, uh, a lot of times, uh, and I'm sure people have heard that because they heard it with case. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a person is killed as a result of um, an alleged wrongful act, mm-hmm. then an estate has to be set up, and the estate would then, uh, uh, on behalf of the family members and the legal heirs of the deceased person, prosecute the uh, lawsuit against you know whoever may be responsible for that person unfortunate and untimely death. And mm-hmm. that's what happened in the Brianna Taylor uh, case. And uh, as a result of that, they, they reached a out-of-court settlement, I understand, mm-hmm. uh, regarding her death. Uh, on the civil side, on the criminal side, the criminal side has to be pursued by the by the actual uh, governmental body. So it, it has to be the state. Uh, in, in, a, in the case that you're talking about, uh, it would be the state of Texas that would pursue that. No. Y'all can reach us 972-647-1893, and we'll be right back. Attorney Malcolm Robinson. All right, Attorney Robinson. Yeah. Uh, back to the question I was asking you. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you remember? <laughs> well, I remember the situation about if someone uh, died an unfortunate death. Yeah. The question is, uh, uh, in terms of pursuing a a what we call a wrongful death claim mm-hmm. against the responsible party. And I indicated that an estate, you know, would be set up, and a legal representative would represent the the heirs and pursue the responsible party. Uh, I think that's where we left off at. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's the best way to to do that. And uh, there have been suits against, uh, say, policemen uh, as individuals, rather, and also along with the municipality or whatever. Or the right. state, or the county, uh, there there can be uh, suits against uh, private individuals, right? That's correct. Well, uh, usually, you know, the the city, county, or state, or whatever, will have deeper pockets. That's this is why. But I wonder about a situation like this. Uh, if there's nothing in this. 
for the person uh, that did the shooting, if he have nothing to sue for, would it be any way to uh, just sue him just to put it on his record forever? Well, oh, that's an, okay. Well, the 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 person if he if he is an employee or an agent of of an entity, then the entity uh, or the employer is going to be responsible mm-hmm. uh, for uh, what occurs. So that's how the liability goes to the entity, mm-hmm. even though the actual employee. You know, he he or she may not have any assets that you can grab mm-hmm. because he was acting in a course and scope of his employment mm-hmm. or acting as an agent. Then you can pursue the principal or the employer. That's basically the way that the way that the way that works. So if there's a situation like I say, I always advise people on this show. <clears throat> I always consult with an attorney, so uh, you can clarify how the facts of any situation that you uh, are familiar with or you involved with, how that applies to you. Mm-hmm. Always consult with an attorney. Mm-hmm. And I tell people that all the time. Don't just assume things and don't just respond to somebody who is not a duly licensed attorney telling you what your rights or duties are. Mm-hmm. You need to consult with an attorney and get an official Right. Uh, opinion or assessment regarding your legal rights and your duty. Well, now Wolf City wouldn't be the same. Have the same deep pockets, say uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so a person that would be killed, say wrongfully in uh, Wolf City, would not have nearly the opportunity to recover to get lost uh, funds like a person in a large city. Well, I'm not going to necessarily say. I don't know how that how they're uh, structured and what kind of uh, uh, insurance that that may be uh, that they may have to cover the act of of the city's em- employees. Uh, and each each state is different. So and, you know, uh, and and a large city versus a small town, you can't just automatically presume that the small town is not does not have access to the necessary funds to cover liability of its employees or its agents. So you still have that can be pay. taken out in insurance, could it not? That may that probably is some type of insurance coverage or reinsurance coverage that covers the exposure or the liability of the uh, of the smaller community. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, they, and it could be the same as it is in a in a large city. So that's just something that you, you look into when you when you are determining who is liable and 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 what assets are available uh, to recover any uh, damages or consequences of their act. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure a municipality, uh, kind of whatever it is government entity it is, they would take out some type of insurance. I'm pretty sure of that. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of them do it as, as a group. You know, they may have a group type of uh, uh, insurance cover municipalities up to a certain population. So they may be part of a, mm-hmm. a 
Uh, let me get let me let me get a uh, a caller. One more caller to talk to you. Uh, this is Carol. That's Carol. All right. Good morning, Carol. Hello. Good morning. How are you all doing? Fine. How are you? I would like to ask the attorney Robertson if he knows of a law that that I ran across some ooh about about maybe forty thirty five or forty years ago. It said that uh. She was in an apartment. If they paid on that apartment for at least 10 years, they could become owner of the apartment. Can <laughs> you answer that for me? Okay. Uh, well, let me just say this. I, I, I don't know which law you're referring to. That's 30 or 40 years. But the question is whether that law will apply now. Uh, but... But I don't recall there being, uh, if you just talk about a regular landlord-tenant situation in a multiple family dwelling, I don't recall of any law where uh, if you pay rent uh, to a landlord over a period of time that you become the owner of that property unless it was part of the original agreement between the landlord and the tenant that would say so. Uh, there would have to be an original agreement. Now, and we don't want to confuse that with a well, uh, adverse possession type of uh, a situation where someone uh, takes possession of some property and then over a period of time, then they there's a uh, way in which they can acquire title to it. Uh, Attorney Robinson, uh, uh, could you give out your number and uh, have the lady to call you because we're completely out of time. Could you? Give okay, it? it's two one four. Nine four one zero seven one seven extension three zero three. That's two one four nine four one zero seven one seven extension three zero three. The law firm of Robinson and Hoskins. Okay, thank you. Thank all of you for uh, listening. All of you for calling. Thank you. And Lord say the same. Y'all have a wonderful week. See you at church in the morning. Lord say the same. We hope to see you next week. Thank you, Ms. Foreman, for coming in and being a part of this program. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week.